Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. Listeners, Thanksgiving is upon us, and in the spirit of this American holiday, we decided we needed to talk about a film that is, well, frankly, a watershed moment in cinema history. A powerful enough movie, emotional enough movie, to truly convey the American experience and spirit. A movie that is a prime example of the craft of filmmaking. Of course, we're discussing Thanksgiving. Here, here. Yeah. Thanksgiving is a 2008 American horror classic about a homicidal turkey murdering college students during Thanksgiving break. The movie was directed and produced by Jordan Downey and co-written by Downey, Brad Schultz, Tony Wilson, Grant Yaffe, and Kevin Stewart. Thanksgiving was filmed in 2007 on a budget of $3,500. He claims that early brainstorming for the movie happened at his local blockbuster where he and his friends would toss around ideas while looking at horror movie covers. He and his friends learned many filmmaking techniques in order to completely write and film the movie themselves. Some of our listeners actually heard that we were doing this uh, beforehand, and so uh, one of them actually sent us a voicemail. So should we go ahead and play that? Yeah, let's listen. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you why this film was so important to me. Every year since I was in grad school, my friend Kim and I have watched this. Um, for Thanksgiving. I used to go to her house and we would have our Thanksgiving meal and then we'd sit down on the couch as a, you know, Friendsgiving family and we'd watch this piece and it was just such a bonding moment, such a great holiday classic. Every year we look forward to it. I mean, whatever film can you say lives up to this kind of repetitive playing? It's like, you know, every year watching Die Hard or something. It's awesome. I'm so glad that you guys uh, found time to discuss this seminal piece. It's just, um, it's just such an important work. Um, I, I really hope that you're going to do it justice. I mean, um, you know when that turkey said that you've been stuffed and uh, nice tits, bitch? I, I, you know, I never felt objectified by a turkey before. He just really spoke to my soul. And... Um, yeah, I just, I, I really feel like this is super important to cover. Such great lines, such great acting, superb direction. It's an important piece of a horror films, you know, holiday genre that, that Robert loves so much. And I'm so glad that you're going to be taking this so seriously and, and really delving in. Um, turkeyologists everywhere are going to be appreciative of this effort. Thank you. Thank you so much for covering Thanksgiving and giving it what it deserves. Thank you so much for that voicemail. It means so much to us. Because you're right. I, I do love holiday horror movies, and this is, you know, a classic holiday horror, and it needs to be discussed. I never hear people talking about Thanksgiving, and it's, it's time that, you know, we can just shed a light on, you know, what a fantastic and powerful movie this is. Yes, and I think it's important sometimes for us to kind of back away from our normal oeuvre of you know horrors or horror comedies and really step back and watch something that's really really important like thanks killing that's right you know so um i don't know do you want to get started yeah let's get started gobble gobble motherfuckers this is thanks killing
So guys, I was thinking, you know, since it's Thanksgiving and all that, we should go around and say what we're thankful for. I'm thankful that your mom has the juiciest poon in town. Back in the 1500s, in the settlement of Kralberg, an old Indian by the name of Feathercloud was dishonored by a pilgrim. Feathercloud necromanced a turkey. A turkey that would stop at nothing to get what he wanted to kill. Everything's gonna be okay. You don't believe me, do you? I do believe you. There's no such thing as an evil turkey. There's no such thing as an evil turkey. This little baby bunny got its stomach not open by a beak. Not just any beak. A turkey beak. There's no such thing as an evil turkey. There's no such thing as an evil turkey. Oh wait, I lied. You just got stuff! Moments after the first Thanksgiving, a topless pilgrim is being chased through the woods by an evil, demonic turkey. When he finally catches up to her, he kills her with his tomahawk. Centuries later, five college students, good girl Kristen, jock Johnny, ditzy sexpot Allie, redneck Billy, and nerdy Darren, drive home to Kralberg to spend Thanksgiving with their families. Kristen calls her father, the local sheriff, who has just been left by his wife, to let them know they are on the way. Right after the phone call, their jeep overheats, forcing the group to camp out for the night while it cools down. Darren finds an old sign with the town's older name, Crawberg, written on it, and remembers a legend that he had read about. Darren later recounts the legend of Turkey and Feathercloud, a Native American shaman who was disgraced by a hedonistic pilgrim named Chuck Langston, one of Billy's ancestors. The outraged shaman used his powers to create the demonic Turkey, who is said to appear every 505 years to kill any white person he finds. Meanwhile, a nearby hermit lets his dog, Flashy, outside. The dog urinates on a miniature totem pole, which awakens and unleashes Turkey, whom the dog also pees on. Angry, Turkey kills Flashy, and when the hermit finds the body, he vows vengeance against the evil bird, who runs off and scares Kristen. She hurries to tell the others, who laugh off her encounter, until a baby rabbit, who appears to have been pecked to death, is tossed into the fire by an unseen hand. Or wing, in this case. The next morning, the group gets the jeep running again and heads toward their homes. Meanwhile, Turkey flags down a passing car, and when the driver sexually propositions him, Turkey shoots him in the head and steals his car. By nightfall, all the kids have reached their homes. 
Johnny tries to reconnect with his estranged father, but Turkey attacks them. Johnny's parents are killed, but Johnny flees and rejoins his friends, with the exception of Allie, who is at home having sex with some guy. While the two fornicate, Turkey slits the man's throat and stuffs Allie before snapping her neck. The group race to Allie's house to find her remains, along with an opened, gravy-flavored condom packet. The group vows to kill the cock-blocking turkey and decides to go to Kristen's house to go through her father's books and find a way to destroy it. Turkey makes it to Kristen's house before they do. He tricks Kristen's dad into thinking he's a friend of his daughter's by wearing some cheap Groucho glasses. The two share a cup of coffee while they wait for Kristen. Their awkward time together is cut short when Turkey murders the sheriff for mistaking him for a duck. When the kids arrive, they are led inside by Turkey, wearing the sheriff's face as a disguise. They search through the books until Darren finds the one they need. Darren discovers that they can kill Turkey if his magic talisman is removed and a ritual is enacted. The ritual, however, is encrypted inside a long mathematical equation. Billy stumbles across Turkey disposing of the sheriff's body, and while they succeed in removing his talisman, Turkey escapes. Fed up, Billy storms off to find something to eat, while Darren cracks the code. Turkey must be burned at the stake while a demonic prayer is said backwards. Outside, Turkey magically enters Billy's body by posing as a cooked bird on a platter. Once inside him, Turkey explodes out of his stomach. Billy dies in Darren's arms while they reminisce about the good times they've shared. Johnny, Kristen, and Darren track Turkey to his teepee. They say the prayer backwards, but as they prepare to burn him, he escapes again, only to be shot in the head by the hermit. They congratulate the hermit and head to Kristen's house to watch movies, unaware that the trash can Turkey was blasted into contained radioactive wastes that reanimates him. Believing Turkey to be dead, Johnny and Kristen profess their feelings for each other and begin to wildly make out, causing Darren to leave them alone. After entering the kitchen for a snack, Turkey surprises him, rips out his tongue, and pecks his heart out. Kristen and Johnny run into the kitchen, but Turkey stabs Johnny with an electric carving knife. Kristen slaps Turkey away, and she and Johnny flee to a shed, where she sets Turkey on fire with a makeshift aerosol flamethrower. Kristen grabs a pipe and knocks Turkey into a woodpile. As Turkey burns, she comforts Johnny while he dies. The hermit congratulates her while she eats one of Turkey's roasted legs. Sometime later, at a family's Thanksgiving dinner, the cooked turkey comes to life when the family prays. In Turkey's voice, the cooked bird yells, Do I smell a sequel, biatches? The end. The last words of that movie will always haunt me. Yes, I mean, it's a powerful, powerful ending to what has already been a harrowing experience for these characters. And I'm super excited to really dive into it. And before we do, let's talk a little bit about the release. Thanksgiving showed at the Sacramento Horror Festival on December 8th, 2008, and would later get a direct-to-DVD release in 2009. Jordan Downey says that his distributor was able to get the film added to Netflix before the streaming service exploded in popularity. He claims that this is the reason that the film has a cult following like it does today. So there's no official tomato meter score for this movie, but it does hold an audience score of 43%, which I think is ridiculous, really. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, there's no slight consensus either. There are, however, some reviews. Um, on the positive side, Thanksgiving was called gleefully awful, 
by Tom Russo of the Boston Globe. I mean, that's kind of a mistake. And uh, Mark Hughes of Forbes magazine said, if you can enjoy laughing at a bad movie, add this one to your list. I just don't think anyone got this, you know? I mean, Mark, what movie were you watching? <laughs> yeah. Peter Culver wrote, ultimately, there's not much to say about this mountainous pile of garbage. There's more entertaining bad movies. There's better movies about unlikely killer animals. And there's better Thanksgiving movies. For your own sake, please just don't watch it. Well, fuck you, Peter. Hard disagree. I mean... Yeah, I just don't think some of these people were ready for this. You know? Honestly, yeah. Uh, shockingly, this movie has won no awards, um, but a musical version titled Thanks Killing the Musical premiered in Seattle in 2013. Um, it also played off-off Broadway at the Producers Club as part of the Festival of the Offensive in 2014, and it showed again in Orlando in 2017, so apparently the musical version is very popular. I would love to see that. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah. The film also spawned a sequel titled Thanks Killing 3 in 2012. The plot summary reads, Foul-mouthed villain Turkey carves through the likes of rapping grandma, a mindless puppet, a wig-wearing inventor, a bisexual space worm, and their equally ridiculous friends on his quest to recover the last copy of Thanks Killing 2. Well, that sounds really uh, interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Thanks Killing 3, but that really piques my interest. So, but Yeah, I think it was just because I was confused because, obviously, there's Thanks Killing 2. I actually searched for Thanks Killing 2 when I saw there was a Thanks Killing 3, but apparently that's part of the, of the drama, right? Is that Thanks Killing 2 was stolen, right? And so they have to go and find it. It really just creates a sense of, like, mythology and lore, you know, in mm-hmm. this series of films. Well, let's kind of start our dive into this a little bit like what did you think about the cast overall i thought they were amazing quite honestly and i and i'm really sad that i haven't seen them in more yeah i i mean i have to completely agree with you while i was watching it and i mean this was uh, i don't know i, I just it's so hard to put my emotions about all the performances really because they were all so good I and mean, it's so rare that we can say that you know about a movie where each mm-hmm. performance was just as good as as the next so yeah well, starting with Allie, you know, you really do get the sense very quickly that Allie's legs are harder to close than the John Benet Ramsey case. Yeah, it's like she read the script and knew exactly what she needed to do as an actress, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's just, just a really shockingly powerful performance. You don't get, I mean, most times when we see some sort of a ditzy sex pot in a movie, it's it's a one note kind of performance or character but this yeah. was leveled you know and i just mm-hmm. she really brought it and then she has to die so horribly when turkey you know quote-unquote stuffs her yeah um i mean that's a hard scene to watch and and rightfully so but i'm i don't know i mean when her friends have to go and like find her body and everything that was you know found at the scene that that gravy flavored condom packet I mean, mm. it's just heartbreaking to see what they have to yeah. go through. Did you actually think, like, I wonder if they actually make those when you watch this? A gravy-flavored condom? Yeah. Um. Yeah, if they did, I would probably use them a lot. So, yeah. I love gravy. I would just be afraid that during my lovemaking that I would be thinking of turkey and not my lover. Um, I oftentimes think of turkey while I'm having sex. I mean, not the evil bird, but the meal. Yeah, me too. What would be better is if they had like a gravy flavored lube, right? I guess. Yeah. Do they mm-hmm. make flavored mm-hmm. lubes? I yeah, I think so. But that would be excellent, I think. And mm-hmm. certainly, I mean, around the holidays, it would probably sell a lot. Yeah. 
I would I would agree with that. Yeah. What did you think of Johnny? I really liked Johnny. I mean, he was an excellent leading man in this movie. Um, he really sort of like took charge of the group and um, you know, the scenes where he was dealing with his father, his estranged father, and trying to, you know, get him to to love him and accept him and and please him really were just excellent you know i could just see the outpouring of emotion coming from him telling him that he you know had gotten on to the football team as a starting quarterback even though that was not true right lying to his father to get some acceptance it's just something that you would expect from you know a a high drama movie and not Mm -hmm. a horror movie really after i watched this uh, and i guess it was the first time for both of us i remember you telling me that you really appreciated the levels of emotion and johnny's character to be simultaneously saddened by his parents' death, and yet to be so horny shows so much range, right? As yeah. A, as a quite a gifted actor. I mean, seriously, just like going back and forth between being so sad and so horny is, you know, something that I would expect from like the likes of Meryl Streep, really, mm-hmm. and not this person whom, you know, I haven't really seen in anything. I think his name is Lance Predmore, right? And mm-hmm. frankly, I would love to see him in more movies. Right. What did you think of Billy the Hick, right? He's I think he's supposed to be some sort of release from the constant tension in this film. You know, he's he's often given some tension relieving lines and things like that, but he's also kind of the most tragic character besides Allie, right? Because we we see him and his best friend Darren and when Billy loses his life it affects Darren so completely. Yeah. That that moment was like the hardest you know, it hit the hardest for me because we see like Darren just filled with grief at, you know, his friend's death and his friend yeah. died in a very horrible way to have, you know, a turkey magically enter your body and explode out of your stomach like that. I mean, it's gross. And he was holding him the whole time and having that whole like sequence where he was thinking about the good times that they had shared, you know, all the times that they like went to the playground and like skipped around and, you know, pushed each other on the swings and stuff. Yeah, they actually they were very nice to the audience who had just suffered this horrible tragedy and giving us this exhale of of having that song, you know, about Mm -hmm. their friendship. You know, which I, I was really thankful for. Now you've gone and left me. You were my, you were my friend. My friend. You got killed by a turkey. Who's not, who's not my friend. My friend. Oh, Billy. And I hope that, you know, when we finally get to see the musical version of this, that song needs to be included, right? Because it would be like the show-stopping number of that musical. So, and I also like it when movies have, you know, random musical interludes like that. So, yeah. Let's let's get into Crystal a little bit because she is our final girl, really, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in the sense of what a final girl is, that, that would be Kristen in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's the good girl, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she, if we can call her the studious brunette or not, but she's she fits the you know the trope easily enough, you know, and I think it serves the film well. I mean, she was she's virginal for sure because she's always commenting about you know how um, you know loose Allie is right, or you yeah. know that her legs are harder to close than the Jean Benet Ramsey case, right? Mm-hmm. So that was a that was a hard case to close. 
it's still not closed. So, I mean, that's pretty open. But I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves when we're talking about these characters because there there are actually a lot more, you know, but as the, you know, the beginning, right? Um, the very beginning of the film, it opens and this is like 505 years in the past, you know, with the, the pilgrims, right? The original Thanksgiving, you know, of mythology or history or whatever you want to believe. And when the, when the turkey says, nice tits, bitch, you really get the sense of years of torture and you can see the pain and the storied creases around the turkey's eyes. Yeah, I think that that the the creature design shows all of those things, and and really, I mean, from a sociological standpoint, he's expressing his years of dormant life and anger at being awoken by urine. Yeah, and I can definitely relate. If I, you know, was having a five hundred year sleep and was awoken by by some dog peeing on me, I'd be furious. So, yeah, and who hasn't that happened to? And I think we're all angry every single time. Yes, I mean, every time that I'm peed on while I'm sleeping, I just cannot. I mean, my entire day is just ruined. It takes me forever to get over that. Yeah. So I can see where this turkey is coming from. And I think that it's important to be able to identify a little bit with a villain in a horror movie. So yeah, it starts off in a really good way to do that. And it's also really, really brave of the filmmakers to show something like that, that we're all aware of and we've all experienced and we all hate, you know, being peed on essentially. And when we're being woken up, you know, so it's it's something that I, I w- I'm really happy to see on screen finally. Yes, I know. And so we have to applaud these filmmakers for sure. Right. And I think um, like we mentioned earlier before the synopsis, we get, you know, sort of an iconic line from Turkey. And, you know, when he says gobble, gobble, motherfucker. I mean, we stand with him. Right. I mean, honestly, yeah. we stand with him here, here at that moment. So don't get us the wrong way. This this is the villain of the story. He, uh, however tragic, you know, nothing is is evil in its beginning. And this turkey is no exception. Well, he was created, you know, to to right a wrong that was, you know, committed against that shaman. And, um, you know, just like we see throughout history, you know, we have, you know, white people coming into a land that, you know, wasn't theirs and colonizing it and taking it away from like native peoples. And this is something that that person had in his power to sort of like give to Chuck Langston, that hedonistic pilgrim and, you know, really try to right a wrong, or at least, you know, remind people in the future of what, you know, their past was and what their ancestors did. So anyway, we, we get back into the story 505 years into the future uh, with that dog, right? And so we, we've, uh, we've experienced the, the awakening of this turkey. And he's awoken early, um, I'm guessing a few, a few days early, you know, from his 505-year rest. And so we get to the students, um, you know, who are about to go on on break, and and of course their their car breaks down, just like we said in the synopsis, um, you know, and they have to camp out, and that's where the turkey kind of crosses paths with our group for the first time. That's right, and um, you know, he he lets his presence be known by tossing that dead baby bunny into the fire, which is frightening for those students, right? Just sitting around, yeah. Something that had obviously been pecked. Yes, right. So, I mean, there's already clues as to what mm-hmm. they are facing, 
And I mean, and Kristen sees it, it scares her when she's in the tent and she goes to tell them. And just like every horror movie that we see, right, no one ever believes that final girl at first when she's telling them that the evil turkey is there, right? Even though they just had a conversation about it, right? And so she's just frustrating, right? Just played off and they finally get you know into the jeep and get back to their homes and like we had talked about earlier in the performances we we get a you know a sort of idea of what these kids' family lives are like and what they're going through i do want to talk about um Kristen's performance a little bit in that scene because she has to like she is so afraid and we're right there with her when she keeps repeating there's no such thing as an evil turkey there's no such thing as an evil turkey and then turkey actually meets her there in the forest and says no such thing as an evil turkey oh wait i lied ha and she is scared out of her mind and so are we that's right and i mean we also can't forget that I mean, she had called her father before the Jeep broke down, and he gave her some pretty terrible news about her own family life. Yeah, and you know what? That is an actual scene that they didn't have to film, but it adds so much because it's a scene between her father and her stepmother, and it's morning and they're making coffee. And so this her stepmother hands her father coffee and he it obviously tastes horrible, and he asks her if she took a dump in it. And she says, As a matter of fact, I did. I want a fucking divorce. And walks away. And it's such a profound moment mm-hmm. emotionally that I think it really grounds the film in a wider world around the characters that we've been living with up until this moment. And I mean, obviously, the, that marriage has had some share of problems because there is actual feces in that coffee pot when she shows mm-hmm. it to him. Like her level yeah. of like, I don't tolerance toward her husband is completely gone to the point where she had to defecate into the coffee pot before like feeding him some coffee. Right. Yeah. So, like, what drives someone to do that? I don't know. We may never know. I. I mean, I. It's so hard for me to like put myself in both her shoes and the sheriff's shoes. Maybe he would awaken her every morning by peeing on her. That's possible. I mean, if we've learned anything from Turkey in our own experiences, no one likes that. And if you're just prolonged, you know, awakenings or you know with pee, then yeah, of course your final step would be, you know. Taking a dump mm-hmm. in a coffee pot. Yeah, I could see that happening. Mm. So we've already talked at length about Allie's death scene and, you know, her friends discovering her body and everything involved in it. Um, and then they they go on to search her, Kristen's father's collection of books to try to find a way to destroy the bird. Because, I mean, he has a massive collection of books boxed up in his garage mm-hmm. and there must be something in there that would you know lead them to find an answer to their problem Mm -hmm. right and i think that we get to a point where we can finally see the way that turkey's mind works right the machinations of turkey's mind when he starts to die like don these disguises as a means to an end right to uh to get to these kids and it took me a long time to realize that those characters were turkey those disguises were so well done exactly uh, when he showed up at Kristen's house wearing those like Groucho glasses, right? And for listeners, if you don't know what these are, it's like a pair of fake glasses with a fake nose and mustache. Think like Groucho Marx, right? Yeah. And um, I was thrown for a loop. I was just like, who is this? Like trying to get into their house and, you know, sort of. I just had no idea where the movie was going at that point. And he's sitting yeah. there wearing those glasses and sharing, you know, coffee with Kristen's dad. And I mean, it was just, 
one of those moments in the movie where you're really just like struggling to figure out like where it's going and what step is going to be next. Well, it was a masterful scene because it's a scene between the t- between Turkey and, you know, Kristen's dad, the sheriff, um, who, of course, just lost his his uh, wife and that divorce, you know, and, you know, the camera isn't afraid to kind of let us sit with them in this kind of silence, this awkward silence, you know, and it's something that I think filmmakers are generally afraid of is, is letting us sit there in an awkward moment like that, you know, as a part of storytelling, visual storytelling. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think that, well, and a lot of it has to do, I think, with American audiences. They need to have something going on on the screen at every single moment. And I think it's it's rare when you see a movie as fine as this who can, you know, have that kind of moment, that quiet moment between two characters, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, I think during their conversation, we start to realize that it is Turkey in disguise. And, you know, so we're so like an aha moment. And, you know, the things that happen next are truly, truly frightening when he kills Kristen's dad. And the kids arrive to go through his collection of books. And he is wearing her dead dad's face. Right. And it was hard to tell that, too. It was even more horrific. It was like next level disguise. You know, you'd think that something the size and shape of a turkey would still look like a turkey, you know, but with that face over it, you would never be able to tell. And it took me quite a while. And the characters, too. I mean, it's uh, I don't know. It just It just shows you like how cunning this bird really is. Right. Yeah. To let them into that house, you know, disguised as he was and let them go through the books to ultimately find a thing that would cause his demise. Right. So. I'm not sure why, but it kind of reminded me of Silence of the Lambs, you know, and I would like to show this to the filmmakers, everyone involved with Silence of the Lambs and say, this is really how you do it. You're right. I mean, like Jonathan Demi, God rest his soul, probably could have learned a little bit, you know, about his craft watching this movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, if he had gotten the chance to see Thanksgiving and he may have. Before he passed, he probably was thinking to himself, I could have made Silence of the Lambs just so much better if I had taken a page from the creators of Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. just really brought in some of the things that they did in this movie into my own. I think that, uh, I mean, they could have gotten way more Oscars than it actually did, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean... <laughs> It's a miss, a misstep for Jonathan Demi. I completely agree. But yeah, as we find out, when they actually find the book in uh, Kristen's dad's collection of books in the garage, um, there is a way to destroy the evil turkey, and they have to remove its magical talisman that it wears. Mm-hmm. And um, after they decipher that very long like algebra problem, which, let's be honest, is probably one of the scariest parts of the movie, because there's no way in the world that I could have figured that out. Yeah, it's like half a page. I mean, my God, so many letters and numbers. and um, But it just speaks to how intelligent Darren's character is because he's able to do this all in his head. That's right. And he does it fairly quickly, but not quick enough to save his friend Billy, right? And um, mm-hmm. so that's that's incredibly tragic. But, you know, this sort of pushes the story forward into Turkey's destruction and how these kids are going to go about doing it. Yeah. So the deuce you know, end up getting the talisman and, but the Turkey still escapes. And so they can't kind of go through with the ritual and everything they need to do. Billy is fed up and he's starving. So he just decides to leave, you know, out of frustration. But unfortunately 
Turkey was waiting for him. Yes, that's right. And um, Turkey disguises himself as a cooked turkey. And, you know, Billy and his hunger pangs um, eats it. Yeah. And he's sort of like possessed, I guess, momentarily by the turkey who explodes out of his stomach. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, is that their friends could have saved Billy. But they were reading that book maybe just a little too slowly when they said you can either find the turkey in his teepee or killing one of your friends. And if they have just got to that sentence a little bit earlier, they could have saved Billy's life, maybe. Exactly. You know, and this is yet again another scene where I wish like the filmmaker, you know, Ridley Scott of Alien really could have learned something if if Thanksgiving had come out before 1979, because, you know, this scene just really puts everything done in the Alien franchise to shame. I mean, I have to agree with you. I know that we recently spent two episodes and four plus hours talking about, you know, the, the, the beginnings of that franchise, right? With both Scott and um, Cameron. And they really could have learned just a little something about like pacing, I think, from mm-hmm. this particular moment, right? I think that, I mean, like Alien, yeah, we talked about how it's good and suspenseful, but it's nothing compared to what Thanksgiving has offered us in these moments of that book reading. I mean, hell, even the book reading in Evil Dead is nothing compared to what they are doing in this garage and the subsequent, mm-hmm. like, say, like finding their friend, you know, with his stomach exploded. And of course, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, this scene in this episode where we get that song and we get the parting of Darren and, uh, you know, finally saying goodbye to his friend Billy when they come upon him. Right. And I mean, it is a very touching moment um, and excellent song, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. I just um, I look back on some of the things that have won best original song at the Oscars and I'm like, how did this not make it in? Like, yeah. really? Come on. Um, I, there's so many to choose from, but this obviously surpasses all of them. Yeah. I mean, like, fuck nine to five. Fuck a whole new world or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like every Disney song, I've had the time of my life. You know, all these things that have won the Oscar, right? But this is somehow missed. I'm like, it's the fucking Travesty Academy. And y'all really need to get your shit together. Yeah. So this kind of thrusts us into the final act of this film, right? And so they they go hunting for Turkey, right? And so they find him in his teepee. And I have to say that the mise-en-scene of the tent scene was inspiring. The glow of the fire lit the cast in such a way that invokes images of Kubrick at his finest. Wow, I didn't notice that. But now that you say it, I can totally see some Kubrick in this. I mean, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Again, like we said earlier, a powerful, powerful movie. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like when the movie gets the most exciting because we get to see the hermit come back. And this is someone that we really didn't talk about that much when we were talking about the characters, but the hermit who was played by general bastard has already given such an astounding performance. Right. I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. expressing the grief at the loss of his animal flashy and vowing vengeance on the Turkey. And he's been missing for most of the movie, but he shows up at just the right time and he sort of helps these kids 
what they think is destroying the bird turkey Mm -hmm. right he shoots him in the head and knocks him into some sort of like trash can and you know they think that they've solved the problem right but Mm -hmm. i mean if we had been paying attention you know if the the viewer had been paying attention we know that they did not complete the ritual right he's supposed to be burned at the stake and the prayer has to be read backward, right? You know, I had completely forgotten that because he was shot in the face and he landed in a trash bag. It was like case closed or a trash can rather. And then later on, you see that the the trash can actually has a radioactive symbol on it. Right. And, uh, you know, I just, you would think that these people who live in this city, right, or this town would know like which trash cans are for which refuse, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like I have one for recycling and one for regular trash. And, you know, they obviously have some sort of radioactive waste problem and they have, you know, pickup locations or like trash cans for that. They should have noticed this. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, like this is the moment when the writers of this film sort of like show us that, you know, they're trying too hard and too fast to get rid of this problem to remember the problems that are already going on in their town. Exactly. Right. And so there's a little bit of environmentalism going on in, this, in the message of this film. And I thought that was also brave of the filmmakers. And I'm, I'm really happy that that made it. And I mean, it goes to show you that if you're ever faced with a serious issue, like, you know, an evil turkey stalking and killing you and your friends, um, you got to be very careful the way that that body is disposed of. You have to check and double check before you just walk away to watch movies. You have to make sure that it's not laying in some sort of waste because obviously we see what that can do because the turkey comes back to life. And we know that it could be anything. It could be inanimate objects that come back, you know, or are, you know, filled with evil, you know, spiritual energy. Because at the beginning of the film, we actually see kind of a list of items that were chosen, you know, and the turkey was chosen among a group. And I think, you know, one of those was like a human hand or a, a dead rabbit. And then there's like, a, I think, a, a, an actual like dildo or a penis. Uh-huh. And so it could have been like just like some sort of possessed, you know, you know, dildo or something. It could have been any of those things. And again, I think that this is sort of like hearkening back to the way that Turkey was awoken in the first place by that dog's urine, right? So it's Mm -hmm. again thrown into a substance that it doesn't want to be a part of. But in this case, it really works out in its favor. So, And I'm really glad it was a turkey instead of something like a dildo because you still have those soulful eyes of the turkey and those storied creases around him. That's right. I mean, like... (laughs) An evil dildo would have some creases, but you really understand the turkey soul by looking in both eyes. And if it were a dildo, we would only have one. That's true. But our group of friends think that the carnage is over and they head back to Kristen's house because they're going to watch some movies and really enjoy the rest of her Thanksgiving break. Um, and I'm sure that internally they are really grieving the loss of their family and friends, mm-hmm. right? But one of the seminal lines in this movie and something that I will always hold on to is being one of the most romantic things I've ever seen on screen is when Johnny turns to Kristen and says, I may have lost my parents, but I gained a girlfriend. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, my God, if, if a guy ever said that to me, I would just like melt right away. Really. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can completely understand why they're, they're not thinking of anything else that's happened or their friends or anything else. But unfortunately it seems that, Darren has to, is forced to kind of wander off to give them their space. and As a good friend would, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. 
unfortunately, radioactive turkey is there and um, rips his tongue out and like hardcore pecks his heart out. And it's just a frightening, shocking moment. And they must have heard something because, you know, Johnny and Kristen are running from the other room to kind of investigate. And unfortunately, Johnny is stuck with that uh, electric carving knife. Yeah. And those are so hard to find these days. Like I, it's something that's seriously missing in my kitchen, but um, I'm glad that they found one for this movie because my God, what a implement to use on somebody. Mm -hmm. If I didn't know the budget, I would have said that they spared no expense in the production of this film. At the very least, I think we can say they used that $3,500 wisely, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if the filmmakers are listening to this, you have to tell me where you found that electric carving knife because I yeah. just really need one. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Darren is dead and Johnny has been, you know, carved sort of and much like a turkey would be carved so i mean the irony and though his death is just flabbergasting mm-hmm. and um you know so Kristen is trying to save his life because they've just realized that they're in love with each other and they go off to that shed and um it's too late for johnny like he's just not gonna make it no. but um but Kristen's smart like every good final girl should be and she grabs that spray paint can and um a lighter and just like ignites turkey just yeah. hardcore and i have to say it's kind of bittersweet you know because we did understand the motivations of turkey you know and and so i i do have to admit i had the single tear yeah i i mean i i was crying i was trying to be to cry silently because i was watching this with my husband and i didn't want to disturb you know his um enjoyment of the film yeah. and i know that he was probably having some deep thoughts as much as i was you know um so i was trying to cry very quietly but um yeah it was it was sad to see turkey die especially when she just carelessly like beat him with that pipe i was like well that's just overkill but she did so, what she had to do because it ended up being burning at the stake you know because she right. tossed him into that pile of sticks i mean you're right uh you know her hitting that bird into the sticks just like created a stake moment and they had followed everything the book told them to do and turkey is gone you know or so we think right and we're rewarded with that really good final girl moment where the hermit just you know shows up from somewhere and congratulates her and she takes a big bite out of turkey's roasted leg right Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just like it's a really good like you know, fuck you turkey ending that I think is important for the movie. Yeah, because, you know, she's lost, you know, everything that she's loved, her boyfriend and her parents. Well, I mean, presumably her stepmother is still alive. So, I mean, if she can find it in her heart to forgive her for the way that she left her father, she maybe has that person to fall back on. I just, I mean, after we've talked about what their relationship probably entailed, I don't really see that as a possibility. Who wants shitty coffee at a time like that? No, you need really good coffee, actually. I mean, like, from Quick Trip or better. Mm -hmm. But that's not quite the complete end of the movie. We are given a good cliffhanger, like every horror movie should have, right? Every good horror movie. And we have a family who's saying a prayer in a normal sense, right? So not backward. And I think that that may have played a part in what happens. And the, the cooked turkey in front of them on their Thanksgiving table awakens and, you know, tells us that there's going to be a sequel, Biatches. Yeah. So, yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it breaks the tension of this movie that has lasted so long. And, you know, we've been on this like emotional roller coaster and to give us kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, 
is I think really, really important, you know, for the emotional stakes of the film. I think so as well. As far as the character of Turkey, there's a whole lot more that we could explore. So, but we'll have to save that conversation for later on when we finally get to see Thanks Killing 3, right? But I, mm-hmm. I, I think that, I think that we really did some justice on this in our discussion so far. I think so too. What would you say are the influences of this film? You know, I saw a little bit of Halloween, Silence of the Lambs, Alien, Return of the Living Dead, even with some of that radioactivity. But, you know, I'm going to say it that I think this film is so, you know, standalone and influential that it must have had some sort of effect back in time to inspire those movies. I mean, obviously, I think it did. I think that we wouldn't have a movie like Silence of the Lambs from, you know, 20 years earlier without things killing really that's that's right i mean einstein said time is an illusion and i think that if that's true in a universe where things killing it exists it's going to influence on either side you know future and past i think the biggest conversation about things killing aside from influencing all these past movies would be its influence on the future a film, right? And so after the movie was over, and we were watching on Amazon Prime, and there were a whole list of other movies that, you know, customers had also watched or something like that. And there were titles like Lamageddon mm. and Killer Pinata and Velocipaster and Velocipaster. And I was just like, this is, you know, this is why this movie is such a classic is because that people have seen it and we've gone on to have all these movies. Right. And I mean, a friend of mine on Facebook recently posted a movie about a killer shark that wears a Santa Claus hat. I mean, a killer shark Christmas movie. Uh, Come on. It had to have come from Thanksgiving. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. classic holiday horror at its finest, really. Yeah. And I don't know that we're ever going to reach this height again. You know, sometimes a movie is made that sets the bar so high that everything else is just considered an imitator, right? Yeah. And this is probably just one of those cases, really. Well, as we digress, I do have some fun facts for you. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I'm sure these are going to be crazy enlightening. So the original puppet for Turkey, and it was a puppet, not an actual turkey. Wow. Yeah. And it was designed and built by the director himself, Jordan Downey, and he sculpted and built most of the puppet in the bathroom of his apartment at the time. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. That is just an ingenious way of using like your space and things that you have on hand, right? Didn't he also voice the turkey? He did. Yeah. I mean, the director voiced the turkey. So he voiced the turkey, made the puppet, directed the movie. He had a hand in writing it. That's a quadruple threat right there. Mm-hmm. my lord and actually i saw an interview with him and he's actually quite handsome and i was actually wondering why he wasn't in the film itself well maybe you know if he continues to make films he will put himself on camera and we can all bask in that glory so for my next fun fact only the original hero head of the turkey puppet remains the rest of the body and the additional heads were destroyed in the making of the film so the original mold has since been destroyed as well oh my gosh when will people learn yeah that when you're making something that is going to stand the test of time, save something. There should be some sort of lawsuit or criminal action for that, I think. Yeah. Um. And from the next, uh, at first, no one wanted to distribute the film. So the filmmakers sold the DVD on Amazon themselves, and it took a year to sell 1,000 copies. I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I know that sometimes it takes the general public a long time to get on board with something as fine as this. 
Yeah. And, um, and word of mouth needs to happen, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sure that word of mouth played a, a huge part in to making Thanksgiving as successful as it is today. I think we can call this a cult classic at this point, right? Yes, yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. So for my final fun fact, before deciding on Thanksgiving as a title, creators Kevin Stewart and Jordan Downey tossed around another idea for the holiday slasher set during Easter entitled Extravacil. Extravacil? Yeah, (laughs) Extravacil. That Mm -hmm. is amazing, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And quite a pun. So, I mean, it just made me chuckle. I'd like to see that. The creators also copyrighted the title Death Turkey as a potential title for an overseas release in countries that don't celebrate or know about Thanksgiving. That's very smart. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, because I I think that there are some very definite themes in this movie that everybody can grasp onto, not just in America. And it would be rude almost to not share it with the world. And not everyone celebrates Thanksgiving, obviously. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Death Turkey it is. So I, I'm going to ask the questions that we normally ask about the movies that we cover, but I'm going to do it in a sort of different order just because I'm really anxious to get my rating out there for this movie because it, mm-hmm. it just influenced me and I, I found it was so powerful that I think we should talk about, you know, out of five stars, what would you rate Thanksgiving? Well, it's transcendent for me because this this is a horror film that just includes so much environmentalism, animal rights, you know, um, women's rights you know uh the importance of family and friendship on holidays you know and in this really deeply dramatic version of a horror film (laughs) i'm sorry i can't do it anymore (laughs) (laughs) i thought i could keep up with this joke until you said transcendent (laughs) yeah so i gave it a three star Okay, so obviously we um, we're having a bit of a Thanksgiving fun with y'all, but <laughs> I, I think my sense of humor broke somewhere during this episode. <laughs> I have a headache from trying to keep a straight face. I know I was this trying not to laugh so hard while we were having all these conversations. <laughs> I also gave it three stars, by the way. Yeah, but I mean for for real reasons, right? Like I went into. I had never seen Thanksgiving, right? And neither. And uh, your sister has been telling us to watch it for quite some time, for mm-hmm. the entirety of our podcast, actually. And so we finally got around to doing it. And I was expecting to really fucking hate this movie and think it was god awful. Yeah, it's one of those movies that's so bad it's good. You know, that's cliched, but it is. It's obviously it was intentionally bad, right? And they knew exactly what they were doing when they made this movie, obviously, if you watch it, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, like, I was, I loved it, like, especially for the first, like, three-fourths of it. But the last fourth had kind of dragged and kind of the joke got a little stale. Yeah, a little (laughs) bit. You know, because I was going to give this, like, a four-star of being so bad it's good. But I had to end up at a three, you know? And I, I still think it's a lot of fun. And I think I'll watch it again, probably repeatedly just because it's so ridiculous yeah i mean i completely agree with you because i was going to rate it super high too because i was laughing my ass off through most of the movie and then toward the end of it i was just like wrap it up come on you know just like in most like spoof movies you know like jokes start to get real thin and things start to get tired and um but I, i agree i would watch this a lot i could see myself having a lot of fun watching this with you and with other friends right it just seems like a really good you know, movie to watch as a group. Um, 
And I do want to watch the sequel. So yeah, my sister says it's not very good. Uh, I do think the movie should have ended with it just landing in the trash can and being done. Cause that was, I was laughing all the way through the movie until that point. And then it just kind of like, I was like, I was done, you know? And so, but of course I looked at the time of this movie and, and it looks like it's only like an hour and 10 minutes, you know? So it would have been like less than an hour if you cut that out. So there was some funny whatever. moments after the bird landed in that radioactive trash can though. Right. Sure, I mean, so like yeah. when they're standing around that trash can and the bird's dead and they're like, let's go watch the movies. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so, I mean, like I was even laughing at that. So, yeah. I mean, it had, it had some good moments toward the end too. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so I don't do, would you call this a horror movie? I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's trying. Yeah. It's a commentary on horror movies for sure. There's some gore moments in it. Right. And I, I think if we're going to call something like student bodies, a horror movie, we could easily call this a horror movie too. Right. Yeah. Horror comedy is a thing. And yeah. So this just happens to be a very silly horror comedy. Exactly. I'm going to assume that you weren't scared. No, <laughs> not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If anyone was actually scared while watching Thanksgiving, uh, please tell us. <laughs> I would like so to we can know. make fun of you. I would like to know exactly what scared you. <laughs> and hopefully we weren't so dry that uh, you thought we were just completely insane. <laughs> <laughs> this it was fun. That was a fun episode. I, think, I feel like first time listeners are going to like listen to this episode and they're just going to be like giving us one star reviews. Like, I know. Who are these idiots? <laughs> oh my God. They think that thanks killing is good, but blah, blah, blah is bad. It'd be great. <laughs> um, okay. But finally, and I guess some would say most important, who is the hottest guy in thanks killing? I guess Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. He actually is really hot. I was thinking yeah. that throughout the movie. I was just like, ooh, he's really attractive. And it really has like some like nice queer moments in the beginning of it, right? And then <laughs> nice? <laughs> yeah, it's not probably not nice because it's sort of a joke, right? But when he's yeah. like, feel my muscle or whatever, and like Darren's like, ooh, and I'm like, oh, I think I like this movie already. Which <laughs> is like Yeah. And it's great for a group watch, you know, if you've got some friends that love, you know, movies like that are completely, you know, off the wall and they're in there cool with like un-PC movies, then, you know, it's it's a great group watch. Yeah. So my husband watched this with me because I obviously he like a, he knew what it was about and it's not he doesn't like horror movies. So he came and watched this and he enjoyed himself. He laughed a lot. Um, we laughed at different things. Right. So and everyone should find something funny. I do want to say. That my favorite line in this movie, and it has to be the delivery of it only because it's not a funny line. Someone says, I want to fucking kill that goddamn turkey. And I, it was just the way that someone said it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> We gotta kill that cock blocking turkey. <laughs> that cock blocking turkey. <laughs> oh my god i kind of want to watch it again right now yeah me too i had to like rewind the whole scene with like the husband and the the wife or whatever with the shit coffee <laughs> it's just like did this just happen like this did not have to be a scene in this movie but it's just i want a fucking divorce <laughs> well i had just finished it and then you texted me that entire like conversation and i was like oh yeah he's watching it and then i was just like <laughs> Because that also, like, cracked my shit up, too. So funny. So funny. 
Okay, well, I think that really does wrap up our conversation on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, um, an episode long in the making. So, yeah. um, if you have seen this movie or like it, or um, you made it to the end and realized that we had some colossal joke, right? <laughs> you can let us know what you thought about that on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Or you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline. And especially would love you to call in about this episode <laughs> at 972-666-7733. Let us know if we fooled you as a first-time listener somehow. <laughs> or if you enjoyed this episode, let us know. If you enjoyed Thanks Killing, let us know. Anything about this episode of Thanks Killing, let us know. We would love to hear it and talk about it. We have one more episode coming out on the main feed this month. It's another Hot Takes episode, so look forward to that. And, as always, we have some bonus content over on Patreon, so head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers to hear our Flamers flashback about a werewolf movie, and um, join the family. Yeah. I think our poll over there is just about wrapping up, so we're probably going to be covering the Brotherhood of the Wolf. It's French. So, I, of course, I like it. All right, everybody. Thanks again for all the listens and support. And we want to wish you a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. And also some sweet dreams. I was trying to think of like a line from the movie to throw in there, but I just... Nice chance, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Gobble, gobble, motherfucker. <laughs> you just got stuffed. <laughs> so many classic lines. Like, really? <laughs> One extra small gravy-flavored condom? What's this doing here? <laughs> Pull your shirt down, honey. It's Thanksgiving, not titsgiving. <laughs> I swear to God. They just don't understand the word library or something. We'll just go through my father's collection of books. They kept saying God. collection of books. <laughs> God, this episode is harder to close than the John Bonnet Ramsey case. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs>